Hello, photographers, creatives, and everyone else listening, and welcome to the latest episode of the Dan Kennedy Podcast, hosted by me, Dan Kennedy. Today on the show, we have the master of reinvention, a multidisciplined photographer who's had a fantastically varied career, John Wright. I first came across John when he was a picture editor in London in the early 2000s. He then went on to have a diverse career moving through the worlds of documentary, celebrity and fashion photography and more recently has turned his focus to fine art photography. I really loved interviewing John and was super impressed at his ability and the reasons to reinvent himself repeatedly and successfully. I really hope you enjoy my chat with John Wright. John, welcome to the show. Dan, thank you very, very much. It's um, a privilege to be chatting to you. I really appreciate you asking me to be on. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I was thinking in advance of um, of this podcast, actually, I was thinking when I first heard about you. And um, I think the first time I heard about you was when after I'd arrived in London as a, as a news photographer, I was pounding the streets. And I think you were working at the Mail at that po- point. Yeah, and I don't think yeah, our yeah, paths yeah, yeah. crossed, no. but um, I, think, um, I think you were at that point. And I guess that was probably 2002. So <laughs> going back some way. So, um, so it would be great to hear, um, because I don't know, you know, it'd be great to hear just a, a potted sort of history, really, about what you were doing then, but also what you were doing before then. So, yeah, that'd be a great place to start, I think. I, I find this history pretty difficult to pot because it it, <laughs> it, it meanders on forever. But um, uh, the the yeah, I was. I, I, you're right. I was a, a picture editor. I was picture editor on the Daily Mail. Prior to that, I had been picture editor of the Sunday Express. Prior to that, the the Daily Express. Yeah, I had a, I had a a short but pretty successful. I don't not keen on that word, but I, I had a pretty notable newspaper career. Prior to that, I actually, my first role in any of this was, um, I was an assistant to paparazzi photographers, royal paparazzi. And it's certainly not, right. an assist, not an assistant in the way that you or I would use the term now. I used to get sent around London with aluminium ladders to keep positions outside film premieres. So that was my, that was my first introduction. Yeah, it was quite a young age, and I, I from there, ended up owning a, a press agency, and I left that press agency after about four or five years, sold my shares in that, and it did indeed go into newspapers, Daily Express, then Daily Mail. And, yeah, I, I kind of realised, what age was I then? I was... Uh, I was about late twenties, maybe thirty. I, I realised that I was working in one of the most fantastic industries in the world. I was working in photography, but I was probably working in the shittest part of it. And I was, um, uh, forgive me, swearing. Uh, that will happen again, Dan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Bring it on. I was middle management, approaching middle age on a middle income. I was middle everything and all around me was this wonderful industry that I was just not enjoying. I'd, 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 you know, I was halfway through a career in photography and I was really making really bad choices. So I, <laughs> to the, to the uh, titillation and vast rumour mill of what we then referred to as Fleet Street, I just resigned. I just resigned as, um, I was number two on the Daily Mail at that point. 
Wow. So th- that's amazing. Let's rewind to it for a moment. Sure. I'd, I'd love to get into some of that, but um, I- I'm fascinated about the uh, assistant job uh, delivering aluminium ladders for paparazzi photographers. Um, amazing, and um, uh, forgive me if I'm wrong, but with an accent like yours, I presume you didn't, uh, you didn't hel- herald from London originally. No, Glaswegian. Glaswegian and I, um, too long a story to tell you how I stumbled into carrying aluminium ladders from, <laughs> from having okay. just, from having just gone bust with a PR company in Glasgow. Far too young to have had a PR company. But uh, yeah, I ended up in London, um, two weeks notice. I'd never taken a picture in my life. And, and then I was in a, a, an international royal paparazzi agency. And those right. were very different days. I have to say that that grounding, in you have to get the picture or you or you have nothing and you had to get the picture using 100 ESA transparency with fill in flash you know car blimey that that was a steep learning curve that had to be mastered <laughs> really wow quickly. i can imagine so so you were you were delivering the the aluminium ladders but you were then actually you were a photographer as well or so, you, yeah you so you then the, the the very nature of the fact that you stood there all day for uh somebody who was slightly more senior than you it was as easy to take two ladders as it was to take one so yes you you know somebody gave you a, a bits of a bits of bag of kit with a, a body and a lens and a a flash uh you know a, a mets monstrous flash and you you got on with it and you shot it as best you could so yes i i started taking pictures did my fair share of the the long lens hiding in the bushes things this mean the stories from back in those days it's an entirely different world to which to what we live in now and the whole nature of paparazzi was an entirely different concept of course yeah entirely different concept yeah. So you were all self-taught really at that point. You were sort of like the runner almost, you yeah, know, running absolutely. the step ladders and then absolutely. someone gave you a bag of kit and you're like, I'll have a go at this. So absolutely. all self-taught. So, uh, which is quite something, isn't it really? I mean, I, I was, you know, used to work on local newspapers and started with Nikon FM2s and um, without, FM2, uh, yeah. without sounding uh, <laughs> boring, talking about the old film days. But, you know, I, I used to, you know, shoot and process myself about probably patrolling five, seven, eight rolls of of HP five film myself and, yeah. and, and, um, and I used a Mets flash gun as well and yeah, would just yeah, go yeah. around doing sort of five jobs for the local newspaper. But I had, um, unlike you being dropped right into the melting pot that is London, you know, I was, uh, I was working on my weekly local newspaper. So it was sort of man stubs toe on pavement, go around and see the man. And, you know, if you forgot to, forgot to load your, your roll of film, it, it was, you know, you'd get your wrist slapped, but yeah. it was, but stakes were somewhat higher for you then. You'd, um, you know, you were straight into, as you say, uh, a, a situation where you were, it was crucial that you would kind of get the shot and also transparency for those who don't know listening, you know, the leeway on, on, <laughs> on transparencies is uh, a lot less than the leeway on film. So what we're saying here is it's actually a bloody technical business, uh, you know, no scre- digital screen on the back of your camera, you know, winging it with uh, uh, hoping you're not pumping too much flash into the subject and stuff. So what a, uh, what a baptism of fire that must have been. It really was a baptism of fire, but, but gladly, <laughs> gladly, with no precursor, I just thought that was photography. There was no, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't spent a, a year or two on a local paper shooting available light on 400 ASA Ilford um, that you could push or pull anywhere at all and you could rescue, uh, you know. So I, I didn't know anything else. I just thought this was photography. Right. 
So yeah, I moved from I moved from Tranny into Colour Egg when all the papers started to go colour, and it was like this is a piece of piss. This is <laughs> this is no problem. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, those were those were incredibly, incredibly different days. Some, somebody really, truly should write a film. I mean, you know, the uh, you know, I, I didn't expect us to go here. Yeah, the legends of the the you know the the activities of people like Jason Fraser and George de Curl and uh, yeah, yeah. Jim Bennett, or you know, names that mean nothing now, maybe to most photographers. But my goodness. <sighs> My yeah. goodness, you know the way these char- people operate. Char- chartering yeah. yachts off Monte Carlo and sitting on it for a week with your lens pointing at the beach, waiting for uh, the Princess of Wales and Dodie Fayed, and you know, just legend. another world. Oh, really. completely, yeah. completely. Yeah. So you 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 went from dropping off the ladders to 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 being a fully fledged photographer at that point, and really self taught, and quickly became. Um, sufficient on your own two feet. Yeah, my, yeah, I understood how to take a picture. The only way I could take a picture was standing outside a door ch- or chasing somebody down the street. But yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I, I knew how to take a picture in those circumstances. The I, I moved from that agency into a very small news agency and brought with me a baptism in colour, celebrity, international syndication. <laughs> this little agency <laughs> that basically had a cupboard that was a black and white darkroom and used to send us out to cover um, magistrates' courts. I said, right. you're not even touching the tip of the iceberg here. You're employing photographers, and you're pointing them at entirely the wrong thing. Allow me to do this, and I'll bring something to your business. And to their credit... How uh, old were you then, roughly? Uh, 19. 19. You were 19? 19. Wow. And, I'd al- and I'd already gone bust for the PR company. <laughs> wow. Wow, way, God. They start young up in Glasgow. Eh? <laughs> well, there, you know, there's a lot to be said for uh, London's a funny place. And when you've come to London that young with no safety net, there isn't really a choice, Dan. You know, you've got, you, you, either, you either go back to, you know, it doesn't need to be Glasgow. You either go back to that little hamlet outside Cardiff or somewhere in the Midlands, you know, you either go back to that or you decide you're just going to kick the door down and you're going to, you're going to survive. And it's, it's a, it's a, it's a very good pressure. It's a very good pressure yeah. to, to, wow. to get there. Yeah. I'm just thinking of me at 19, you know, sort of um, pasty skinned, you know, polite young chap from Norfolk. I didn't know my ass from my elbow, you know, I think <laughs> London, but I think I actually did. I think I did work experience on the, on the daily telegraph age 19. I remember just sort of sitting frozen still like an ice block for about four days watching phones ring around me and shitting myself with a, not knowing whether to answer one or not you know it was one of the most you know traumatic times of my late teens early 20s and meanwhile you were busy out running down streets and uh and, and starting agencies wow you know well amazing. dan you just you know you the doors doors whatever doors do or don't open you 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 go through them you try and make the right choice and you go through them of course you do yeah but so wow, we've got we've, we've <laughs> on my little list here. We were we were going to be talking about the three or four reinventions of John Wright. I think I'm yeah. up to like 17 now. As I, as I said to you, it's pretty <laughs> difficult to part this history. Yeah. Um. <laughs> well, let's ca- let, let, yeah yeah keep keep going. So let's fast forward. Well, 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 do you want do you want to keep? So the next the next venture was yeah. So I started the agency. It was a very small business and went from there into the newspaper. So we're getting close to where you came across the name of. Yeah, 
that really yeah. aggressive so, so that, Scottish so, game. So just on that agency for a moment, so they were in a broom cupboard and you went and said, hey, listen, you're just concentrating on magistrates' courts. Let's. There's a whole other world out there. So yeah. you sort of enlightened them to that and and, yeah. um, and then you were there. Were you, you were helping to run it then at that point? Yeah, so they, to their credit, it was pretty clear that I had just basically started a business within their business and they, um, they brought me onto the board of the agency and it, and it grew and it prospered and, yeah. Right. Okay. So probably 20-ish by then or something. Yeah, tw- I think I left there. Yeah, I think I, I think I actually left there when I was 21, when I was 21. Right. And crazy things that we, it was, <laughs> how, how, you know, how this industry has evolved and changed. Um, I met somebody who was on the production team of The Big Breakfast. Remember The Big Breakfast with Chris Evans? I do, with Chris Evans, yeah. Um, and it struck me how massively newsworthy that was that people just loved that show and i said well let us put a photographer on every morning and then we'll syndicate those pictures every day and bang yeah they're they're they're, that just absolutely flew and you know we went on to see photographers on set of lots of different programs and putting lots of different pictures out in the evening and and yeah we'd kind of done it first with breakfast um so yeah, those agency days were. I learned how to wear a suit and pretend not just to be a scally from Glasgow for for a few years. <laughs> so right, okay. So but then, you were still you were still shooting as a photographer then? No, point. no, no, no. I started to. I, I, I was then running a business. Okay, yeah. I was then running a business, and yeah, uh, there and was. How did you go from there into newspapers? I kind of, I kind of felt that I'd done it a little bit. I felt that I'd done it. Was the, the agency was national uh, originally called National News, and the picture side was National Pictures. Were you ever agency side? Were you ever agency when North I worked North at an agency in Nottingham? It was called Page One Press Agency. So it was sort of anything that happened in the Midlands, we right, we okay. would cover for yeah, the national yeah, papers. So yeah, 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 I didn't do any agency work in London. Right. Um, so I just kind of felt it was it was done really and yeah I just felt it was done and I reached out to some of the papers who I dealt with every day and and I got a job on the Daily Express I think I was the youngest picture editor ever on Fleet Street wow how old were you then 21 amazing wow truly amazing and so how long were you so you did the Express and then you went to the mail yeah that. I did the Express for about four or five years Express was a lovely place to work in and try, sadly it was at the beginning of its of its real decline it was a the Express was a cornerstone of British journalism I, I don't think it is anymore I'm not sure any of them are anymore mm. I stayed there for about four or five years and it was a lot of fun worked with quite a lot of legends John Downing amongst them Reg Lancaster yeah great names great 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 yeah. names yeah sending sending those staff photographers all over the world presumably on oh, assignments yeah. when there was a, yeah, when yeah, there was yeah, when yeah. there was budget galore and and uh, uh, and stuff like that yeah yeah i mean li- yeah literally literally those newspaper days you know there were some dark days we covered the i remember vividly covering the bombing in Enniskillen. that was just too strange for words Mm. The primary school shooting in Dunblane um, oh, yeah. uh, that changed the law uh, on guns here. The death of Diana, you know, real gifts to have been in newsrooms and you yeah. know, when things really were printed on paper and, you know, you were sent out, you you ran out at 
10, 11 o'clock to King's Cross to get the first editions of the papers to see what everybody else was saying. You know, it, yeah. information was just a different world then. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So your last job in as a, as a picture editor was on the Daily Mail, wasn't it? was it? on the Daily Mail, yeah. I mean, I really did get to the point, you know, that that, that was an extremely, extremely stressful environment. I had a, a very young family, and it, it was actually my, my, my youngest son was one year, it was his first birthday, and I remember sitting on the sofa with him in a quiet moment and amongst any baby's first birthday is actually a celebration for the family. You know, he was, he, of course. He, he was just one, he was just a one-year-old baby. But I remember looking at and thinking, I'm not going to know you. I need to choose here because if I continue the way I'm going, I'm not going to know you. My career is going to be, um, is going to eclipse right. my relationship with you. And it kind of made the decision for me. And, and I, uh, I, I just, uh, I, I gathered the confidence to think I'm going to start again. I'm just going to buy my cameras and start again and it had been it felt like forever since i had, <laughs> had yeah, taken a picture I, I bet and how long had it been uh, probably well your timings are a little bit different from mine because i actually resigned from the mail in two in 1999 but i didn't actually it didn't actually let me out the door until the year 2000 so right. Oh, Dan, I'm not very good with time. I think. Don't, don't worry. That's all right. Yeah. It had been getting on for a decade and since okay. I had actually, in anger, just every day picked up my cameras and gone out. Yeah. And you know how it feels a little bit weird after after a couple of weeks' <laughs> holiday, after 10 years. Yeah. Like, yeah, I just don't remember any of this. Um, yeah. Yeah, but uh, so, I, well, I mean, it, it, the, the, the rumor was that I'd won the lottery. I, I never won the lottery. I, I just, <laughs> I just decided. I just thought if I don't do it now, I'm going to be too old to start again. So I need to do it now. And I made a pact with myself that I would give it a year. And if I hadn't managed to maintain our security and et cetera, et cetera, in a year, then I could go back to this because there were, you know, it wasn't a, you know, it was a wonderful job. But yeah, here we are. Yeah, 20 years later. Yeah. So. What happened then? And did you so so picking up a camera and starting again? Did you go back out on the road as a news photographer then? I so working at the Daily Mail and and uh, I, it, it was very clear to me that there was a, a a real hunger for what we'll call now human interest stories. Um, I'm sure you remember the days when the Daily Mail would do a two page spread of dogs wearing hats and sure, yeah. those sort of silly Daily Mail spreads. Yeah that were hugely popular. And because I'd sat on the desk trying to find those bloody things, <laughs> it, I knew there was a real shortage of them. Yeah. And nobody ever, you know, we were all news people and we were all, or we were royal people, or it was the beginning days of the sort of paparazzi agencies, like Splash and Big Pictures. There was nobody in, who was in that sector who was actually thinking, hang on, dogs with hats, that's, that's universal. So I had yep. a small retainer to to go to the mail with everything first, and I spent a year, two years shooting human interest pictures. It was slightly bizarre because I had there was a, none of the camaraderie of the news photographer network because I was just yep. going out doing these silly soft things. Did you enjoy it? Uh, did I enjoy it? Yes, I enjoyed it. I mean, gosh, I'd come from sixteen hours a day in the Daily Mail newsroom with Paul Dacre as editor. You know the. 
yeah, you, you know, uh, really, I really, I really enjoyed it. It was a real antidote, <laughs> a, a real antidote to everything, and I got to spend yeah. time with my family. So it yeah, was, fantastic. it was wonderful. I kind of evolved from there into very soon going to get to the point where you start to see me as a photographer. I, I evolved from the human <laughs> interest stuff into reportage. The nature of human interest stories. You, I started to stumble across expats who were rescuing animals or uh, working for NGOs, and they were really lovely romantic stories. So uh, I sort of evolved into very, very much a reportage photographer. I spent a lot of time, I, 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 you know, I got pretty bored of show jumping rabbits and dogs and hats and stuff. So I, <laughs> I sort of went into this, here I was, here I was in dangerous places, convincing myself that I was doing some good. And I worked for a number of charities, a lot of charities. Um, and I would go off and do oil slicks, you know, the impact on nature from oil slicks, which doesn't seem yeah. to happen so much anymore, actually, funnily enough. Mm. <clears throat> but um, again, Dan, <laughs> I, I mean, I had a bit of an epiphanal moment doing that where I was photographing this, she must have been four or five years of age, this child in uh, just outside Mombasa after there had been a terrorist attack on the Paradise Hotel. Um, it was it was one of the one of those sort of obscure uh, African attacks by Al Qaeda, the precursor to yeah. ISIL. And I was photographing this five year old child, and I, for for the reasons of the story, she was holding a she was holding a card in front of her that said "Will be neglected." It was it was part of a poem that I was trying to illustrate for an exhibition for a charity. And I was photographing this little child weeping, holding up this card saying, we'll be neglected. And she just wanted her mother to come and get her. But I was making her mother stay away from her to shoot this picture. And I suddenly saw really clearly that I was actually just perpetuating everything and this child would be neglected. This picture would be glanced at by people in the first world mm. who... It, it may or may not prompt them to put their hand in their pocket and give whatever spare change they did they had at that point. But that this yeah. child, the, you know, the the the, in, the incomprehensible depravity in which this child lived would never be fixed. I wasn't doing anything to fix this. I was just it was just photographic vanity, yeah. and I swore in that room that I would never ever ever perform a reportage charity sponsored job again because wow. it's it was I, I i was exploiting that child that charity was exploiting that child yeah and that really was a profound moment and i uh, again <laughs> the antidote to that was i'm going to use the camera to entertain people that is actually what the camera is really it's entertainment and even when it's uh, you know, I see war photography, the 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 napalm victim in Vietnam. You know, this the, that that child running across the bridge. Do you know the picture? I mean, yes, uh, I do. I, I even things like that. When I see things like that being discussed as being art and their artistic value, it sickens me. It it really sickens me because no, no, no. It's it's deep, deep, deep human suffering, and that that we could change. We only needed one set of pictures. To correct the imbalance in the world, yeah. you know, they're only one, and, and no, to put them in galleries and no, it's, yeah, it's terrible. I feel very strongly about it. 
to yeah. try and move on more lightly, <laughs> I thought, no, I'm going to use this thing with a button on it to entertain people and to entertain anybody. Hopefully it will entertain that four-year-old girl when she grows up and she'll see something that will lighten her day. Because what I'm doing at the minute is, is not helping her at all. Yeah. And I, and I made the very conscious decision to, decision to become a celebrity photographer. And you can pick up from there because I'm going to sore throw it. I'm not sharp. <laughs> oh, well, it's, it's just, a, it's also interesting to hear, John. It's, it's absolutely amazing, all, all of it. So becoming a celebrity photographer, I mean, it's a sort of a reinvention really, isn't it? And I find this, I find this quite fascinating. I mean, I myself was a news photographer and I did make a conscious decision. I remember there was one specific moment I thought, you know, I don't want to be fat and 50 and bald on my stepladders outside Downing Street. This is yeah. not a place I want to be. Yeah. Uh, and so I did make a conscious effort to uh, to kind of pivot, I suppose. This is a word I seem to hear hear a lot of now and, and um, you know, just talking about uh, maybe making a quarter turn in a different direction, which is you know, often a fantastic thing to do, giving, you know, refreshing you, giving you a new oh, take absolutely. on things um, and um, sort of lighting the fire underneath, you know, your, one's career as a photographer again. So, and I'm fascinated by you with regard to the pivot and, you know, d- during the rest of our chat, we'll be hearing about, you know, all of the other pivots that you performed. Uh, we, we're up to 36 pivots <laughs> so far, I think, in these 27 <laughs> minutes. Absolutely amazing. So um, with regard to this pivot then, so, you know, changing to become more of a celebrity photographer mm. see if you can tell me about your thinking at that time i know i understand that that everything you said about the documentary and that's really powerful stuff and i understand that that being the the catalyst for change so how did you make your first strides in what was then an epically crowded marketplace um you know how did you get your how did you get your, your yourself seen documentary has very little similarities to uh shooting celebrities for magazine covers yeah. which is what you quickly went on to do so yeah. what happened there did you just you drew a line under all the documentary and you went home and you thought right okay let's buy a shed load of magazines and let's look at let's look at how people do this and i'm going to do that and i'm going to do it better or, or what happened you're not far off you're really not far off and and with every pivot and you know i think it's i think it's interesting you you, you experienced a pivot moment in your career when you thought you saw the future and you thought no i'm not going to do it that's not going to be me i'm gonna i choose this yeah and yes feeling exactly the same i thought I choose this and there was there was the seeds there for me because again going back to the fact that I'd worked for charities well you know that very often charities have celebrity ambassadors and stuff like that so there was beginning to creep into the my book some pictures of famous people and I thought well this is all that I have literally you know photographically when I pivoted I have just taken everything that I've done up until that point and put it away. It, it just has to completely go. And you have to start creating the content that shows that you are capable of doing the thing that you want to do. Yeah. So I, yeah, I reached out to everybody that I could reach out to, vague, vague acquaintances, and said, I want to try. And, you know, I. Do people still go in and show their books? I don't know if that even happens. I think they do. I think they do. Yeah, yeah. So I went off on that on that procession with 
with nothing, <laughs> with nothing <laughs> other than right. I really want to do this. And one person gives you a chance and you respond to that chance as positively and creatively and dedicatedly as you can. And you push them for another chance. And if they don't, you go to someone else and yeah, it just, it, who, uh, who is that person for you? So the first person to give me a crack at being a celebrity photographer is someone who's now my dear friend, John Gooch, who was actually picture editor of Nuts magazine. Right. And the first person, the first celebrity assignment, I was sent to photograph Colin McRae, the rally driver, because he was launching uh, a video game. And, I mean... (laughs) Dan, I'd always been fascinated. One of the first things I said to you, uh, it's inter- that's actually interesting, I'd always been fascinated by light. And I believe that it's actually the only thing I'm good at it, that I'm good at. I think I'm very good at it. Yeah. One of the first things I said to you was fill in flash on 100 ASA <laughs> with daylight. <laughs> and I even, my reportage stuff, you know, I used I used to travel, I used to try, I, I built soft boxes for my speed lights and I would travel with, six speed lights and I, I i would photograph people in the third world surrounded by four heads that's how right, I right. Did. okay so that's how were, i did it so you were learning and pushing and I, challenging I, yourself and um and improvising with your with your kit so that yeah. that was a real growth that was a real growth period from a technical point of view then because not many but, people were doing that you, but that, you know, that Sorry, carry on. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say you see you see work from people like Joey L, who, who's who's taken that and run with it, a similar yeah. kind of thing, you know. And sometimes I think that looks a bit peculiar when you've got, you know, he's taking sort of octa boxes and and power packs out into the Masai Mara or wherever it may be, and it sort yeah. of feels in some ways like one step too far. This slightly, you know, his images, you know, super polished, you know. But I guess that's a style. But but from your point of view, doing that um, at that point was was pretty forward thinking, you know. Well, I, I the the thing that has sustained me through all of this, and the thing that still in my most recent manifestation. It, just throughout all of it is light. It, it, that is the fascination for me is is light. Yeah. And I hate using the sentence painting with light, but it, I, it kind of is. It's just seeing how the first time I realized I could expose for the sky on a, with a blue sky and yeah. punch in with a flash in front, it was, uh, gosh, my goodness me, I just made a world and I've just changed the world and I'm going to, when someone looks at this, they're going to get that gift of surprise. Yeah. That is why I'm a photographer. That is yeah. why I'm a photographer. Um, yeah. oh, to, fantastic. That, that's, that sums it up. And yes, so I after, understand. On. So after Colin McRae, sorry. Yeah. After Colin McRae, then um, you, you, you carried on down that path and got access to more celebrities and, and that continued yeah. to grow then, did it? Yeah. And, and probably we were, probably and possibly working walking similar paths with you know small titles as trivial now as things like heat magazine but you're also shooting you know i remember a, a young woman coming to my studio chain smoking and speaking with an east london accent called adele Amazing. and <laughs> yeah it, it, it I, I didn't realize how bonkers it was going because it, you, you're shooting emerging artists the management company used to call me the Whatever, yeah, the 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 
sixth member of One Direction, and they were just little boys when they first came to me, um, who I ended up traveling the world with. Uh, yeah, I mean, the celebrity road, it's fantastic. You know, just, uh, 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 again, an amazing experience. What, what do you think made you stand out above the rest? That's such a crowded marketplace. I mean, I was, I, I was, you know, yeah, doing similar things as, as what you were. But I remember distinctly seeing when you started working for Q magazine, and I just remember seeing that your, I'd seen your, you know, some of your re- recent work around at Holborn Studios and stuff mm. like that. And I mm. think we were, that was the days of heat mm. and that kind of thing. But that's right. And you, you, you then started, um, you then really notched it up a few levels very quickly. I remember seeing these, you know, I, I haven't done any image research for this interview that we're doing now because I've got your images in my head and they are distinctly uh, Liam Gallagher on the mm. Q cover and yeah. your, you, the, the, the treatment of that picture, not only the, the way you shot it firstly, the power yeah. in the image and then the color treatment, you were ahead of your game with regard to that. Um, and that oh, was an, a, an epic cover. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I remember several other covers to follow. So, so what was going on there then? Because that is such a competitive space and you were, it's all well and good, you know, photographing Peter Andre for Heat magazine, but then what gave you the push? What, I want to know, how did you become better to be able to not only give, be given that opportunity to shoot the Q covers, but mm-hmm. why were they so good? Because they were epic. Dan, um, uh, Dan, thank you. Really, really, really thank you. It's um, really touching that you would even, that you, yeah, thank you very much for all of that. We are photographers and we have little tools. We have these tools. We have this thing called the camera. We have our lights. We have, you know, the incredible, incredible uh, world-changing thing that's Photoshop. I was back to that, back to when I first realized I could expose for the sky and stick a flash gun in. What is photography? It's an opportunity to show people the world around them. And and especially celebrity photographers, celebrities who are photographed to, certainly in those days, to death. It's Mm. an opportunity to say, here's the world that you know in a way you've not seen before. And it. I'm. That's still how I feel. That's still how yeah. I feel. And and the yeah the Liam Gallagher cover that is a yeah that is a that's a that's a picture that's a picture yeah. and, and thank you. There's a there is a there is a few of them. The one yeah. the one that I, I, you're right and you've actually identified a moment where I suddenly suddenly the curb went a little bit crazy and and when it went crazy was Lily was Lily Allen with the Panthers. I remember it distinctly. I was going to mention that an epic shot with two Black Panthers. I remember seeing that cover drop, thinking, "Wow!" You know, and and so. that that was that was just we've got Lily Allen. We want to do something reminiscent of Bruce Weber. You know what clients yeah. are like. They say these things to you. <laughs> you know that's great, but could it just be a bit more wow? <laughs> they say <laughs> things to you, but they. They don't actually know how to say what it is that they're saying to you, and I and yes, I, yeah, I've yeah. sat in briefs so many times, and I I've always got this place I go to in my head where I think right, I want to hear the first two sentences, and I want to try and make the leap from your visual vocabulary to actual photography, and just just when they said Bruce Weber, I thought of a picture, and I don't even know if it exists of. 
Raquel Welsh with a panther. It's in my head. I'm not even sure if it if it really if it really exists. And I said, <laughs> well, surely we could. And 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 uh, how how do we do that? Well, this is how we do it. And you know, uh, of course, I never photographed Lily Allen with panthers, but my God, the precision with which we photographed the panthers, then Lily Allen, and then put it together. Yeah, that was massive. God, I wish we'd yeah. done behind the scenes films in those days because mm. that was just extraordinary. And were you doing anything um, just just at a practical level? Would you think in between in these kind of during this rapid acceleration, do you, were you doing anything else to teach yourself about stuff like that? Because it's it's one thing going from you know going from doing kind of heat magazine type shoots through to doing things that were, where there's a lot of composite work, you know, meaning you know you shoot the the, the panthers separately and then mm. you shoot Lily Allen and then mm. you join them together and mm. and and. Uh, I, you know, I, I know what that's like. I also did that, went from a period where I had no idea how to do that to somehow winging it and doing it. So I don't have an answer myself, but I, I'm hoping you do in some ways. Like how, what about that learning curve, the pressure of, of saying, okay, tomorrow morning, 9am, Lily Allen arrives and then at 10.30, the Panthers arrive, don't mm. fuck it up, you know. Mm. Were you self-teaching, you know, were you learning anything in the evenings here to get you even more up to speed to make you at the top of your game at that point? I certainly spent time in Photoshop. I would. There's no way I would allow me to take any one of my pictures from then or now, from camera to completion, without using a third-party retoucher. Because I, I am not a retoucher. I retouch like like it's done with scissors and glue. So yeah, me too. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, there's um, people who are better at that. Absolutely, right? absolutely. And no, Lily, Lily, I just knew that if you had consistency, it would work. If yeah. you had consistency, it would work. Yeah. And yeah, those Panthers could have done anything at all. Um, it could, it could yeah. have not worked, but uh, yeah, I'm, I don't know. I'm missing the fear gene somewhere. It just, it, yeah. it, it, it will work. It will work. <laughs> Great. I love it. it I'll will stick work. that in the, in headlines. I'm missing the fear gene. I think I might have that embroidered onto the back of my, uh, my, my new gen- denim jacket that I'm about to buy, you know, <laughs> fantastic. So that was a great run then really. And you, 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 you know, you photographed some, some absolutely amazing people. Did you also photograph Amy Winehouse? I think during that time, didn't you? Oh, Dan, photographed Amy Winehouse. Uh, I was the last person to photograph Michael Jackson, which is not something that comes out unless I have a conversation like this. Wow. Springsteen, Gaga, twice, I think. Rihanna, twice, I think. Arctic Monkeys a few times. Wow. I, yeah, I mean, I, 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 Paul McCartney, a crazy list, crazy list. Yeah, of, and I guess um, they started coming thick and fast, didn't they? And so probably as the phone rang then, it just became somewhat commonplace, you know, similar. My, my friend Austin um, in, in LA, a similar thing, you know, happened to him. He, you know, I think it was De Niro and then, then the phone rang five days later. It's like, oh, Pacino and then Gwyneth yeah. Paltrow. Yeah, and then yeah. it just becomes, yeah. okay, you know, let's get yeah. focused here. What are we doing? And then, yeah. you know, it, it, we're, you know, you and yeah. I both know that it's not all glamour though. So have you got any stories you can share about being on set or behind the scenes at the height of all this? I'm talking <laughs> divas, you know, uh, hit me with your shortest photo shoot. These are all the questions people ask me. That yeah, I can't yeah, stand. Yeah. So yeah. I'm passing them on to you. you. So uh, yeah, any, my, Michael Jackson was, uh, I would say, less than three minutes, and it shows. <laughs> wow, was it really that short? It was really, really super short. Yeah, uh, Gaga. The second time I shot Gaga was was really crazy. It was all Why? day. 
I, I, I mean, uh, so I've, I photographed her. I photographed her in LA just as the first song had hit from Canada. She so had been a hit in Canada and was was being a hit in the states, and flew out to LA to photograph who you know there, she had. She just did not register at all, and I met this young girl who was just so impressive. Just like, gosh, yeah, you are. You are, yeah, you're, spe- you're special. You, I don't know where this. I don't know what, how the record companies will deal with you, but you are definitely special. So, and what, why was that? Because of the way she was acting, or yeah, it's just the certainty and the uh, just, just. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. Know, I don't know how you know, but you know. Yeah, when you're in the presence of someone that's definitely going places. Yeah, that is just that is special. You, you, you know, you, you, you. There's no two ways about it. You know. Yeah. And how did that shoot go, that LA shoot? That LA shoot went really smoothly, really smoothly. I've still got the bra shot in. That'll go on eBay when when I retire. <laughs> <laughs> no, that went really smoothly. But fast forward to three years later and uh, uh, yeah, shooting, her, shooting her for Q at a studio in London. And there's a full creative, full creative room full of props and a set, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And there's me and four or five other, you know, men in their late thirties, um, somebody from the record company, and we're all sitting around in these sofas. I can't remember which studio it was. And in she comes and says, Yeah, I've seen the creative. No, we're not gonna do that. And she basically just read the riot act very politely and firmly to half a dozen, you know, pretty much middle-aged men and said, We're gonna do this. And it then deteriorated into absolute farce where she would come out and be photographed and say to me, no. <laughs> and I said, oh, no, no, okay. Uh, so what, tell me how no. Uh, no is fine, <laughs> but, you know, tell me how no. What is, what is the no? Uh, and, and again, here I was with someone who knew what she felt but didn't know how to communicate it. And I said, yeah, there's no problem. Let's go again. And so she goes back into makeup and then like, two hours later comes back out and we shoot her, no. <laughs> and this went on. This went on. This one, she just kept coming out and saying no. And it got to the point where I was saying, "Well, listen, you know, I can photograph you badly. You tell me just how, just where you want to go, and we'll yeah. we'll do it badly. I really don't mind." And she eventually, yeah, walked off in dressing gown and sunglasses, and she just left. <laughs> oh, did God! <laughs> did was- you get anything then? I got about six different sets of pictures of her, and they're all completely fine. But right, it was okay. so she she gave this little speech at the end where because we couldn't understand what was really going on because we would come out, get shot, and say no, and then disappear for two hours. And it, right, it yeah. turned out that there was a big, some big record company drama going on about something or other. And Off actually, in the way, isn't it? You actually, never know what's happening with people yeah, behind I, the scenes. Actually, it, it wouldn't matter who it was or how we were photographing her. That day was not going to go well. And at the end of the day, uh, in in white dressing, white towel in dressing gown, and big Jackie Onassis shades, she said, "Look, I'm sorry, but I'm just I'm going. It's not you guys. We didn't actually know about the record company." She said, "It's not you guys." Blah 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 blah, and and off she went. And it off was, she went. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> wow. Um, but then the stories go on. You know, crazy private jets with Bruce Springsteen and getting drunk with Bono and oh, wow. These days, you're, you're you've moved over uh, as John Wright performs yet another pivot. Pivot. <laughs> um, you you've moved now into more, more into fine art photography. Am I right? 
Yeah, uh, uh, yes, I often think the word fine art photography, that, that term is a strange term, like fine yeah. art or ordinary art photography or uh, ordinary art as opposed to fine art. But that is what I'm doing. There is, there's one last little transition, Dan. That, uh, I, 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 I did get to the point with celebrity photography where I thought, no, I don't want to do this anymore. And I, and I, and I, I did move into fashion. I'd say about 2012, I moved into fashion. Oh, okay. And I actually then shot a lot of film. I shot film commercial campaigns for Louis Vuitton, Dior, Fendi. A, wow. uh, what's the what's the Israeli brand that does the ball dresses? Ball uh, so you were you were firmly video then for a while. I, I went really strongly video, really strongly video, and 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 still was I shot stills campaigns mainly for Louis Vuitton and Longcom. But that, yeah, so that, that was, was a great that was a great another great pivot then because moving over from the editorial world of celebrities for magazines into the world of advertising is a tricky one as well, isn't it? It, it is. It is. Um, I, it confused me for a long time as to why, uh, and I'm sure you've thought this, uh, or, or maybe not so much now, but certainly in those days, how, how you were spending every other day with these people and producing images, and yet when they did an advertising campaign, it was never you. Yes, that's right. <laughs> it really confused me. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so the, the celebrity world for me, I... I I think I again got to the point where I thought I definitely have done this and I'm, and I'm now repeating myself. Yeah. I kind of want to, and, and do you know what? Yes. You've reminded me of that simple fact that I don't think we saw quite how good it was that we were shooting editorially and we had all that syndication yeah. revenue at the back of it. But I thought to, if I'm going to break through into advertising, I need to I actually need to make that statement myself. I need to do that because, um, yeah, so that was that was the prompt really was to try and move up to that mm. to become an advertising photographer. Yeah, and was that tricky? I, th- I I think it's back to that thing, Dan, where I where I just I kind of make these decisions. I'm going to be this now, and everything that's gone before I put away, and I start yep. again. I, I start again, and I make mm. the content, and I just keep going to see people. And I think my timing was also very good. I mean, I. I I could not believe I'd never made a film, and I was sitting in Louis Vuitton's uh, offices in Paris, having printed out this pitch. I had never created a pitch for a, for a commercial before, and I and I thought, well, I need to do this, and I did it, and I printed it A3, and I put my best Hermes scarf on, and I got on the Eurostar, and I went, and I said, yep, we can definitely do this, and and they said, okay, do it. <laughs> Amazing! Wow. Yeah. So that's a that's a lot there about I guess presenting yourself, being prepared. You know, all of those things, really. Dan, I think the main thing, if we're if we're you know, if, if there's anything that our conversation can do to help photographers who are coming into a, an industry that's almost unrecognisable from when we made our establishing steps, I think the the thing that will make that will make you successful is belief. If yeah. you believe it, if you really do believe it, you'll get you. You will. The sky is the limit. I, yeah, the, the, there is no limit. I, I know there's no limit because I've sat with people who should know far better. Who <laughs> 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 said to me, "Okay, go ahead." Uh, yeah, it's it's belief, and and that's not ego or delusion. It's actual belief, and and 
because the only reason that I got that first, the first film I ever made was for Louis Vuitton. And the only reason I got it was because I really believed that I could create it, deliver it, and it would be great. I really believed that. Yeah. That, and if you don't really believe it, you're not going to, I don't know. I don't know. You need to really believe that you're going to do it. Yeah. I wanted to talk about uh, pivot number 557, uh, John Wright moves, uh, uh, a uh, diagonal U-turn uh, all the way over into uh, fine art photography. So we, we discussed celebrity and, and, and what happened with that. And, um, and, and so more recently, I've seen some epic pieces uh, that you've been um, putting out on Instagram, showing some of your, um, some of your fine artwork. So mm. I'd love to hear on this latest pivot, what your thinking was there really. So tell me a little bit about that. So th this, this is a culmination of a few things, Dan, it, you know, it, as I've recounted, I've bloody done it all. You know, I've, the only thing I've not done really is being a sports photographer and I mentioned the Louis Vuitton thing and brands like Louis Vuitton, Fendi, Dior. I, I don't know about you, but I think I speak for a lot of photographers that you were creative people. You know, I, I, most of us, we've got something to say. We we, we, we want to create images. And I, I went through my whole career searching for those clients and constantly thinking as I, as I moved up the food chain, if that's reasonable to say that. Yeah. The, that you know, the next client, um, you know, they, they're 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 going to share my love of creating things. That you know, that that the creativity, the 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 idea, the the, the concept, that that's that's what's going to be most important. And it, you never do, you never do, uh, and it, it, it's not the client's fault. The client has a whole different set of criteria than you do as as a as a photographer. Yeah, they have to be much more cautious, etc., etc., etc. Um, and th that was kind of a bit heartbreaking, really, when I, when I, you know, I really felt that I'd kind of got there with clientele and brands. And no, it still wasn't giving me that, that thing at the center of all this that, that drives us to make images. We want to, we want that excitement that we get when we see someone else's work. It just astounds us. Yeah. And, you know, a mixture of despair and age. And, yeah. uh, you know, some, you know, a, a photographer in their 20s might think, oh, how could you ever get bored? You know, and it, it I don't know, just something changed in me. And I, yeah. uh, you know, maybe, maybe we'll talk about it another time, but I, I, have, a, I have a brand motel, which is a, a, a venue and studio. You know, the energy that I put into that, that I had to take energy out of my photography. And having established that, um, I sort of thought, right, okay, that's done. I, I'm but I'm not done as a photographer. I, I, I want to get my, I want to get my cameras back around my neck. I want to go again. And I looked back the fashion landscape. I looked at the celebrity landscape. I looked at the editorial landscape, which had practically disappeared. And I, I just couldn't, I just couldn't, Dan. I just couldn't, I couldn't go back. I just couldn't go back to what I was doing. Yeah. And that coupled with the realization that, I really want to create things. That's why I do this. I want to create yep. things. I, I have increasingly, uh, you know, and every photographer will find this as their career goes on, you know, and I'm sure you do. You get approached by a random member of the public who says they want to buy one of your prints, which to begin with is a slightly bizarre concept. You've got no idea what to charge and it, it, it just seemed yep. weird. But, <laughs> but this had been increasing and, and I thought, 
photography is more popular than it's ever been. In, in the last 10 years, the art world really is beginning to recognize it as a, 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 as, as a medium in its own right. And I thought, do you know what? That seems like a completely alien world to me. But I want to do that. I want to have an idea, make a picture from it, and make it available to people to see and own. And car blimey, it, it works. It, Amazing. It, it works. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> did you do did you do a classic John Wright and put everything away from your previous from the previous Look at my uh, website. World? Look at my website, yeah. Dan. There's not a thing on there of there's nothing on there of <laughs> So you did it. Again, yeah. yeah. So what um what what did you decide subject wise then? Um, you know, did you look at the fine art market and think there's a certain type of imagery that is that is needed here? No, no. I looked at the, the images from my the images that I'd made and it, it came more through the fashion stage where where some clients would just say, just do what you do. What do you think? And and they would allow me to create a freedom to just make what I wanted to make. And yeah, and that's what people wanted to buy, and it, so I kind of thought, yeah, yeah, okay. I mean that you know my print sales are are nothing, but clearly there are people out there who are bothered enough to find out who shot it, to approach me, ask me to print it, and 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 want to pay money for it, and everything that that that, that happens with, are the things that have just come out my my own head. It's my it's things where I've put money into a test. I mean, I, I, you, you're very celebrity heavy. I don't know if you've ever done this, but but I periodically, and I would encourage everyone to do this, regardless of how busy you are, I would just make something. I would just hire a location, hire the models, just put the whole crew together and make something just absolutely, yeah, for the sake of making it. And, and yeah, the importance the things, of test shoots and yeah, your creative muscle, et cetera, Just et doing what you want to do without the confines of a client. And people wanted to buy that, and I thought, well, people are this, this, this could work. And I would say to all of us, you and I have both had not with each other, with many photographers, you know, really difficult conversations about the viability of the of, of being a commercial photographer. You know, we we could we could do three podcasts just on that. Yeah, <laughs> and I would say to everybody you don't realize how good you are. You don't realize how good your work is. And I know I've, I've discovered, and it is profoundly, profoundly rewarding and liberating. You don't need that client. You just need to share your work. People want to look at and enjoy photography. They want to buy books. They want to buy prints. People love it. And we are really good at it. And it, it's, it's a hard step. It's a really hard step, but it works. It does That's actually work. It, you, you, uh, you know, when we were discussing this previously, you were, you were, uh, you, you'd said you consider yourself a photographer or an artist. When you say what you do, Dan, the sentence is, "You say I am a photographer." Yeah, yeah. And I, I have made myself, and I know the disdain with which many commercial photographers hold this term but i uh, my sentence now has to has to be constructed with i am an 
artist. It's yep. really hard to say. Because <laughs> 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 I've spent 20 years saying I'm a... <laughs> Just yeah. that tiny yeah. change. And, and yeah. you, even trying to shape the words is hard. But it is fantastic. It's really fantastic. And my eyes have opened. Prior to this, I think I was perceiving, I was aware of and I was perceiving 10% of photography in the world. I just couldn't appreciate photography unless it was that technical, it was done for a job, that's a good job, I can technically see what he's done. And it, yeah. the, you, Do you know what I mean? That's what photography yeah, yeah, was. Yeah. And week upon week, month upon month, as I walk down this road, I'm enjoying I'm enjoying looking at photography. I'm enjoying thinking about photography. It, it, and I and I appreciate it so much more. Do you know what it's like? It's like it's like wanting to be a musician and very, very early on getting really successful at making jingles. You then spend <laughs> the next 20 years <laughs> thinking that music is jingles. Yeah. And one yeah. day you think. Now I'm going to listen a little bit more broadly and you realize it's not about jingles. It's yeah. like this, this is a magnificent thing. And the that's really great to, so, so great to hear. And, and funny, funny, as you were saying that about the jingles, it, it made me think of, um, you know, a time when I, uh, just had sort of pound signs in my eyes and I was sort of bashing out pictures of dresses against a white wall, front side back, next yeah. dress, front yeah. side back. Yeah. And, and I say to people, a little bit of me died sometimes no. on days like that, you know, Absolutely. and actually, you know, and, and, and I, I recovered pretty well from it, but I, I remember it and I, and I remember distinctly driving, you know, back up from the Gatwick area towards my home in London, thinking I need to stop doing this. Otherwise it will be the death of me, you yeah. know, but, but, but what's also so beautiful to hear is the fact that, you know, you're massively, you know, not only in love with the art all over again, but actually you're seeing the art for kind of what it is. And, and, and I've got a vision now of everything being somewhat kind of tunnel visioned. And it feels like you've just come out, out of the end of the tunnel. And now you're sort of, you know, you're seeing, everything in this sort of, you know, hyper real, you Absolutely. know, beauty for, for what it really is, which is, Absolutely. which is so fantastic to, so fantastic to see. What do you think about people who don't pivot, who don't do this? I'm thinking, and I'm just thinking about everything we've talked about now and thinking about, you know, it's really interesting to hear how you feel like you, 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 you're sort of like, I'm doing it. I'm going to be great at it. Okay. I've done that. Right. Stop. He draws a big line in the sand. Let's remove all that work, park it, put to the side. Okay. I'm going to turn 45 degrees to the left and now go off in this direction, stop, park it. And difficult decisions, difficult choices. But if we look at that as a zigzag line, look at where you are now and what a, what a fantastic, you know, I'm sure you're feeling that, you know, just, just thinking about all of these things we've just spoken about for the last hour, but what a great, rich sort of tapestry of a career so far you've had. And well, do you think without these pivots, you know, that wouldn't have been the case? Definitely, Dan. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. um, oh, gosh, gosh, gosh. And should we yeah. all push our, here you go then, should we all push ourselves to pivot? You know, I'm so inspired hearing you thinking about the, you know, I myself have made some 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 twists and turns along the way, but, you know, would you encourage everyone, no matter where they are on their journey with photography, to to consider pivoting? Do you think that's vital to to keep alive and keep the interest alive? 
uh, it's not vital. You, you, we each of us have to do what we have to do. But but yeah. I know how you felt driving from Gatwick down. I know how you felt. And if you don't, as a person, make that change, that disillusionment, that sense of the ordinary, it, it will come out very negatively in another part of your life. And, yeah. you know, we are we are photographers. We are blessed. The principles, yes, they differ a little bit, but they don't, I mean, take it from me, they really don't differ that much. I, I shoot fine art with the same fundamental principles as I shot show jumping rabbits. Yeah. <laughs> full, st- full stop. Full stop. There's uh, another one will turn into a meme right there. <laughs> I would say to anybody who finds themselves getting negative, saddened, disillusioned, you don't know how good you are. You do not know how good you are. And yes, Every every Tom, Dick, and Harry can pick up a camera and they can go out and take a picture and they can get a gig on Instagram. And yes, to all of that. But they're not us. They are not us. And we know the difference between an algorithm doing the work for you and balancing flash, balancing light, color temperature, shadow depth. These are real skills. Yeah. And people ad- love it. They love it. There's nothing worse. There is nothing worse than that time when, when you get to that place where you think, I need this client. When you get to there, sack that client. Because you didn't yep. get that client because you were fearful. You got that client because you were bold. Very true. Yeah. It, very time true. and time and time and time again. That is, that is how you move forward is boldness. I, I, I often, often, often think that photographers are like chefs. Now, young chef does really well, gets a job in an Italian restaurant. He can choose to stay in that restaurant, in that street, and he can cook that same menu day in, day out for the rest of his career. That's fine. If he's happy and fulfilled, that's fine. But fundamentally, if he wants to, he could take a step sideways. He could shut the whole place down. He could open up again as a French restaurant. <laughs> Five years later, <laughs> he could do exactly the same thing because the principles yep. go sideways. Yeah. So, yes, yep. I, I mean, I'm going to say that, aren't I? But I would say to anybody, don't get despondent about this industry because it is wonderful and Car photography is wonderful. Food photography is wonderful. Fashion is wonderful. It is all wonderful because we get to come come together with creatively minded people on the whole, and we get to make things that entertain people. It shows them what they see every single day, but it shows them in another way. And that tells people there's a bigger, wider, broader, richer world than that which I see outside my window. And yeah, we're blessed that we yeah. get to do that. Yeah, we are. Absolutely. Yeah. Briefly, what's the plan moving forward? Don't plan- tell me there's another pivot, please. No, no, no. no. I, I think there's, <laughs> I, th- I think there's not another pivot. There's not, there's not one in the next not 12 yet. months, but, um, <laughs> the, the art stuff I really am in love with it, it, it. And I'd say this to everybody, and this is not about me, please. This is not about me or about my work, but I binned my website and launched a new one with just art on it, no celebrities, no fans, none of that, last July. 
In August, I was selling pictures straight off my site. I had, I had a show booked in Munich on the 26th of March. Is it the 26th of March today? It's 23rd today. 23rd. So, yeah. So in a few days, I was going to be doing my first solo show in Munich. Oh. I had another one booked the 23rd of April in Frankfurt. Not because I'm great. It is not because I'm great. I know that I'm not bad at what I do. And I've obviously developed a confidence and a draw and an ability. And of course, I'm I'm more mature and I'm older. But I'm selling those prints. <laughs> I I have shows in Europe just because I decided this is who I am. And anybody can do it. Just That's so great to hear. Believe. So in, so inspirational. So inspirational to hear. And um, what are you doing at the moment in these? We're, we're recording this twenty third of March. It's strange times out there. We have a the threat of a virus. The world has gone largely mad. What are you doing at the moment to stay calm or centered, if anything? There is nothing that you or I or anybody listening to this can realistically do in these circumstances. <laughs> A, a, a profound amount of good will come from this situation for each of us individually, as a species and as a planet. I, I, I really believe that we have been struggling against justifying our lifestyle as 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 a species for a long time now, and yeah. the tragedy with which some families will lose their loved ones is terrible, truly terrible. The, the atmosphere of fear and uncertainty that we're all living through now, yeah, I, I, I don't have the words. Uh, and I, and I, I don't have the words to say how, how we get through this. But this is going to, I really do believe, I really believe that for all of us, it is going to create an incredible period of reflection. We're all already doing that with our careers, our lifestyles, our life choices, the way in which we lived our lives compared to now. Absolutely, yeah. There was a, this country was stricken by plague in the, I think what would have been the 16th century. And quarantine was commonplace. Yeah. William Shakespeare was quarantined. During his quarantine, he wrote King Lear and the Amazing. world was richer for it. Yeah. So, you know, Dan, I face the same challenges that you do. There is no, there is no comfort blanket that will allow things to be the same as they were before this happened. There is sure. no, there is none. Yeah. Uh, short of those who have gold, solid gold, securely stored, there is no comfort blanket. Yeah. Do you feel okay in in the in in the in the calamity? I feel really quite profoundly, profoundly okay because this is happening to all of us. This is happening to all of us. There is no repossession of homes. There is no court cases over debt. There is, you know, these, these things have gone. These things have gone. Yeah. The, 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 this is, this is unprecedented times. And Indeed. in, in reality, we are finding the time to speak to each other. In we reality, are, which would have been tough. <laughs> in reality, I'm spending time with my family, which I'm blessed to have. And anybody who's on their own, my heart hurts. But perhaps we'll reflect on the implications of being on our own. And perhaps we'll all consider the reality of what it means to people who are on their own. I'm very concerned for my staff who I want to make sure that they are cohabiting because 
you know, this is this is tough time, really tough time. It's tough times, yeah. Tough, tough times, times but, to be on your own, absolutely. But, but, but you're yeah. ultimately positive about it. Ultimately, very positive about it. Yeah, yeah, uh, um, yeah, yeah. I um, I, I was really. I mean, I, we had a, we had our the, this this recording booked in, but in the in the meantime, you posted a beautiful picture on Instagram of a woman standing looking out of a window. Uh, it's one of your fine art pieces, and um, I was just about to click the like button on it, and then I started reading the words and. They were profound, beautiful, amazing, and I immediately messaged you to find out if you wrote them, and you did. And um, I guess, is it a poem, really? Would you say that you've written here? <laughs> I think that, it, that uh, uh, th these were just things that had to come out. They were in my head, and uh, I've in the last year I've started to to write. I kind of publish essays on my website. Uh, I, 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 we, we, we all live in times where we're suffering greater and greater and greater pressures, and uh, that manifested in me in an in a entirely new experience of really profound anxiety attacks last year. Right. And uh, I was astonished when I, as I started to talk about this with people, how many of us are experiencing this really, really incredible all, all ages and all walks of life absolutely yeah very commonplace yeah and part of my own therapy was to was to write so i started to write and it, it probably the most frightening thing that i've ever done i started to publish them on on a, a site called medium and i started to publish them on my website because it it, it I, i'm kind of writing to myself about yeah what is around us and how, how we live. And I thought, well, these can maybe help people. And I enjoy writing yeah. and I wanted to share it. So I found right. myself, as I reflected on what's currently going on around us, I found words coming. I started to write it down. And the only way to keep it going, it couldn't really work as an essay. The only way to keep it going was, was I guess, what's now become a poem. And I go, oh, man, I'm really not a, I, I write poetry, guys. <laughs> it's just not <laughs> I know my you're thing. Not, I know it's just you're not, not my thing. It, but yeah. I, I'd written it, this and I thought, maybe there's a sentence in here that will help somebody somewhere and help people to maybe reflect that these are the days when things are going to change. Yeah. Well, I'd love you to read it for us. So, um, John, I just want to say, actually, um, just before that, thank you so much for being such a fantastic guest. It's just so interesting for me, you know, being even in this profession to hear um, about all these pivots. And, you know, with some of the younger photographers that I work with, you know, I'm often uh, talking to them about pivoting and, and, and checking that they're, I say, directionally correct, meaning are they heading in the direction that they know they want to to, to go in and, and it's been so fascinating to hear about all of your pivots over over the years and just to think how rich and varied that's made your career it's it's so satisfying for me to to, to sit back and listen to it um and i'm in this business so um uh, i'm i'm just i'm absolutely sure that so many people are going to really enjoy uh, listening to the episode really and just hearing all about this lovely varied career and and really you know look these take the takeaways from here are that draw the line under underneath something put everything to one side and that you're so much better than you think you are and what fantastic 
things to, to for, for, for people to be taking away. So amidst the doom and gloom, we're actually um, there's actually a lot of positivity here. So I wanted to thank you so much for for coming on, and I knew it would be such a great chat. But I'm uh, I'm just so so thrilled about the way that it's gone, and I would uh, I'm going to put all the ways in which people can contact you and learn about your art and learn more about you in the show notes uh, at the end of the episode. But I would love you to read uh, to see us out really with um, with with reading as dolphins can, if that's okay with you. Uh, Dan, yes, uh, I'll, I will now read this poem. <laughs> Poetry <laughs> recital is about as alien as to me. The more alien you to me writing it, but I'm going to give it a go. Can I just Fantastic. say to you, thank you so much for allowing me to share these things. It's it's, it's easy to speak about ourselves, and, and I hope that if anybody does manage to get to the end of this, I hope that they don't don't listen to this as 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 a foreign tale of somebody who's a bit weird and and did this stuff, I hope I hope that everybody who listens to this can hear that it, it it's about making a decision and it's about believing and I and I know that anything that I've done, there's not one person listening to this who can't do the same and they can't what they want if they believe in what they want certainly in this career, then really believe in it and go out and do it and you. You will succeed. You'll get it. Yeah, absolutely. You will. Yeah. Fantastic, John. Well, thank you again. Let me let me try and read a poem. <laughs> <laughs> get a little nearer to the mic and, yeah. and uh, okay. give yourself okay. give yourself a second and then and okay. then let's do it. Okay. As dolphins can. These were the days when dolphins swam canals. As dolphins can. These were the days when our children came home. And the old and ignored felt a little less alone. These were the days when the planet sighed, breathed out, breathed in, and people died. These were the days when the money trees bloomed. These were the days when riches faded, empires crumbled, and only the shameless traded. These were the days when we learned how to picnic. These were the days when we thought of baking bread, but took to bed, and took to bed and took to bed. These were the days when the pressure eased. Oh, how the pressure eased. We breathed out, breathed in, as the planet breathed. We lost our fixation with the need to please, and the commuter drain seats were found with ease. These were the days. These were the days of an English spring. Were these the days of the human spring, as the rich grew poor, and the poor were helped? These were the days when those who cleaned and care stood up and cleaned and cared, as they always had, now noticed. These were the days when the prisons opened and the churches closed. Were these the days when we changed who rules, the rules? To nature rules? Or did we sweat over Instagram and try to look cool? Did we learn that time is wealth and luxury health? Were these the days when we truly, firmly, absolutely learned to care, to simplify, and vowed we always would and did? Or did we lie? Did we long to return to our ball and chain? refilling those seats on the commuter drain. Were these the days when we saw daylight 
or just waited, then raced back to neon and night. These were the days when some died of a new disease, while many died of old disease. We grew ill at ease, ill, but at ease. These were the days when this began, and dolphins swam canals, as dolphins can. Well, I hope you found that as useful, interesting, and valuable as I did. It's so inspirational that it's just okay to draw a line under things, turn a quarter of a turn and start afresh, don't you think? John really inspired me when he was talking about that. You can learn more about his work at johnwrightphoto.com and he's at johnwrightphoto on Instagram if you want to check him out there. If you've enjoyed the show, please feel free to rate us on iTunes. The photo workshops I run are on hold for the next few months, all things considered, but we've been having some fantastic results on our mentor program. Anyone interested in that can have a visit to dankennedyworkshops.com where there's a lot more information. Um, There's more interviews coming from where this one has come from, and I thank you for listening. Thank you.